I'm Marlene Hutchinson, and welcome to Tips for Guitar Playing Success. As many of you know, I've been sharing my guitar playing tips every Thursday for more than eight years. It's been my way to hopefully help you stay motivated, be inspired, and continue expanding your guitar playing journey. If you're interested in more learning resources like my Thursday Tips blog, my DVDs, books, virtual learning, and more, go to my website, marlenesmusic.com. And for anyone who's listening and feels like you're missing out on all the fun, you can easily join our wonderful world of guitar with my Learn to Play Guitar in a Day program, which you can also find at marlenesmusic.com. Now on to my interview. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to my guitar friends interview. I have my wonderful and amazing friend, Gene Smith. Is it okay to use your last name? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's okay. It's uh a... There's a lot of Smiths out there. <laughs> okay. So my wonderful dear friend, Gene Smith, who actually is a former student, interesting story with him. He started playing guitar when he was 60 years old. He actually met another student of mine on an airplane and began taking lessons. He was motivated to play because he had two special needs children who really loved music, and he wanted to have that opportunity to play guitar for them. So he learned to play guitar and played for his children, but also found that as he was going along in his guitar journey, he really loved playing for himself, too. When Gene began playing guitar, he was working full-time as an executive at a company, and he's now since retired. Congratulations on your retirement. It's nice being retired. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted him to be able to share with you some of his insights, particularly practicing and playing guitar. So welcome, Gene. I'm so happy to have you joining the podcast. Hey, thanks, Marlene. Thanks for having me. This will be fun. Yes, it's always fun to get together with you. I have to tell everyone, too, Gene is one of three people that I get together with, and we jam together, and we just have such a good time. All right, well, let's get to some of the questions that I have for you. One of the things I thought would be really interesting for the listeners to hear about is practicing. You kind of are the poster child for practicing guitar and what really works. So maybe you could walk us through, like, when you first started to play guitar, guitar. What was your practice mindset? Well, you know, it wasn't so much about practicing. It was about getting sound out for the children to hear. And so it first started out when I was coming home from work. I would grab the guitar and sit down and play a little bit for Danielle and then for Connor. They're at that time in two different rooms. But it was kind of impractical because at the end of the long day, and I'd be a 10 or 12 hour day, I was pooped. You know, after <laughs> <Sure. yeah. laughs> driving on the freeway after being on appointments from here to Santa Barbara and, and then coming home, I, I was tired, but I knew they needed the sound. So I'd sit there and I'd kind of pluck away and I wasn't very good, but they just liked hearing the sound of a guitar. I later shifted to playing in the mornings. So I'd get up about 5.45, 5.30, put the coffee on, grab a cup of coffee and go sit in there by their bedside And I would just say good morning to them and start to play little ditties and do fun stuff and watch their faces just light up. Yeah, music does that. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't communicate, but they could communicate by smiling, and the guitar just brought that out. It was just great. 
And that must have been quite rewarding for you to be able to communicate that way. Yeah, it was a twofold process. It was rewarding to watch them respond. And it also it was good for me because I was terrible and they didn't care. <laughs> I doubt you were terrible. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty bad because I was just strumming stuff. I wasn't picking, wasn't doing anything, just kind of making up stuff as I went, but they just liked the sound of things. So you would play guitar in the morning early before you went to work, and then you would play in the evening when you got home. Were there other times that you would play or practice? Um, yeah, it actually, um, I think guitar to me became addictive and I would reach a point where I go, I need that guitar. And I just get up from whatever I was doing. I excuse myself from Kathy and go, you know, um, I'm going to go play for the kids. And I'd grab the guitar and just go sit in the room for, oh, maybe 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. And, and then I felt good. And then I would go back to doing what I was doing, but it was kind of an urge. I just felt that I needed to play it. And it just, and I didn't resist that feeling. I just let it take over and I'd just go grab the guitar and just go play. Ah, uh, I hear you. I feel that. You mentioned to me on more than one occasion that you had a guitar at your office. Tell me a little bit about that. It, yeah, it eventually grew to that. It happened after my first guitar fest that I went to, and the very first one, I'd only been playing for about a week, I was invited to the first guitar fest, and I went, no, I can't, I can't, I can't play anything, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy or nothing. So I politely turned Marlene down and said, no, I can't go. But there was another guitar fest about six months later, and by then I'd been playing for a bit and felt a little more confidence, and so I went to that guitar fest, and I had just purchased a real guitar, because the first one I had that I played for the kids, I'd paid a whopping $75 for <laughs> and uh, was able to pick it up at the NAM show for quite a discount. But that became my office guitar once I bought myself a real guitar. I actually went to Guitar Center and you know, played a bunch of guitars and found one I kind of liked and put on layaway, made payments against it, and eventually picked that up and played that guitar at the Guitar Fest. And then what happened is the little JB player I had that was you know the $75 special became one I took to the office. And I took it to the office for, if I was on a break between calls or meetings or whatever, I'd sit down and kind of plunk away with it. And eventually I found, to me, that was therapy. So, you know, <laughs> I mentioned to Marlene one time, in a lesson, well, you know what, this guitar stuff is like guitar therapy. You know, if I'm getting frustrated or having a, had a rough meeting with a client or whatever, I'll, after it's over, I'll just, you know, close my door, grab the guitar and just kind of play for a bit. Because I said, you cannot let, what's gone on around you affect you when you're trying to play the guitar because your brain just does a complete shift. Oh, that's such a great way to describe what happens to you. It is hard to think about stressors and anger and difficulties when you're playing guitar because your mind is so occupied with how you finger things and what you're playing and how it sounds and singing in a tune and all the other things. It's pretty hard to hold on to stressors. Yeah, and at that time also I was trying to learn finger picking because I heard Marlene play a song in finger picking. And I went, whoa, I've got, I've got to do that <laughs> stuff. And it was uh, from The Sound of Music. Oh, 
okay. And I went, wow, geez, that song comes alive. Probably the song Edelweiss. It was, it was Edelweiss. Yeah, such a beautiful song with picking. Well, and I have to tell you, this is such a fun story, but Gene found finger picking or heard it and said, whoa, I've got to play that. And I don't think you've looked back since. You do a killer, amazing job at finger picking style with your playing, and you've really integrated it in a beautiful way. And in a little bit, I'm going to have him play some music so you get to hear how fantastic <laughs> he is. That fantastic. But I'd pick anti-strum, but mostly picking. But it's when your wife tells you you do well is the final test. Okay. And when they come into the room that you've been playing at for a while, they go, you know, honey, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when they come from another room that's and compliment, you know you must be playing better. <laughs> but yeah. it's that progress that's pretty fun. So you and I are good friends, and I know you just went through something really difficult. And I do like to keep things on the lighter side for my show, but life happens. What has this done for your practice routine? Um, We lost our son, Connor, and I couldn't play for probably three to four weeks. I just, because my morning routine was to play for Connor Danielle. When Danielle passed about eight years ago, um, I was able to kind of push through it because we knew it was coming. And she lived a lot longer than she's supposed to. And we saw Connor. So I'd still continue playing for Connor. But it's when Connor passed uh, all of a sudden, and we were not prepared for that. Neither, just neither one of us was or still are. Uh, I couldn't play. I just couldn't pick up the guitar. couldn't do anything for a bit. Um, but it's rolled back in the same routine. I now, again, get up at 545, uh, go downstairs, put on the coffee. I sit in the room right next to where... Connor's bed used to be in uh, the little sunroom, and I play. And I first started by playing some of the songs that Connor and I were working on. I say we were working on because, <laughs> because if I played a song and he liked it, or if I did it well, he would start shaking his rattle. If I didn't do it so well, he was just quiet. He just would just lay there. So I went, okay, this is not working. So I'd change the song up or do something different. And when the rattle would start to go, then I knew that that the song... You had approval. Yeah. (laughs) Connor approval. That's working. So you're back to playing guitar, which obviously, again, you mentioned is makes you feel good. It's it's a good feeling. You also have the joy of a wonderful new granddaughter in your life. And are you able to play guitar for her? Not much. Uh, she's only two, so she's pretty wild and all over the place. <laughs> so I think as a two-year-old, you know, they don't really care that much about it. I tried a couple times, but she's just not into it. Uh, my big guitar playing really is still every morning for an hour. You know, I, I put on the coffee, sit in the sunroom, and grab a guitar, and, and I change the guitars. Um, I You probably want to talk about this later, but now I own like six tailors and one breed love, two breed loves. But the reason for that is each guitar has its own voice. So this last two weeks, I've been playing, and I'll take a different guitar and sit it in the sunroom, and I'll play that guitar for maybe a, a month or two at a time will be my go-to guitar. And then it gets back into its case, and it rests for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I had a workout. I think I need to rest, says your guitar. <laughs> yeah, then I'll pull out another one and go, wow, this one needs to be played for a bit and play a different one. Yeah, you know, it sounds like you acquired gas. I don't mean that 
the sense that you think <laughs> oh, yeah, of. I got it's called guitar <laughs> acquisition syndrome, where you start falling in love with guitars for different reasons, different sounds and different things like that. And then you end up acquiring more than one guitar. And that's so great to hear, though, that you have several guitars and you rotate which ones you're playing because yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. they all need the love. Yeah. I mean, our guitars sound better the more they get played. So yeah, it's, it's actually how the wood is made. I mean, it's, you know, how nature makes the wood with the chloroplast inside and it breaks down as you play it. And each one of those little cells becomes hollow and it gets a much richer, deeper sound. So they even have guitar vibrating machines now that, that do that. But if you play it, it happens automatically. That is so true. What a great science lesson, too. Thank you. <laughs> it is true. And that vibration vibrates that extra cell moisture, and it really makes the guitar sound better. So our guitars are like a fine wine. They just get better with time. If I can interject here, um, my wife at one time, Kathy, came in and said, uh, all right, another guitar. She goes, uh, what's with all the guitars? I go, honey. And I had three guitars sitting in the room at that point. And uh, I said, each one has its own voice. And she goes, yeah, 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 really. And I go, all right, I'm going to play the same song on each one of these guitars. And you tell me what you think. And by the time I got through playing each one on a different guitar, and I played them exactly the same, same finger picking, same voice, same everything else. She goes, holy poop. <laughs> okay. Beep. Yeah, she admitted <laughs> Yeah, she admitted that they did have their own voice. They, each one did sound different. Right. And that's actually a whole nother podcast that I'll do in the future, talking about the different woods and sounds you can get um, from the guitar just based on the construction. Gene, one thing, though, I wanted to make sure we talked about is your playing or song influences. So walk us through that. You know, it's uh, pretty natural and pretty easy. Uh, the early songs that I did were uh, really based for the children. They were, I call it advanced campfire today, but, uh, <laughs> but they, were, they were songs intended to be like nursery rhyme type stuff and stuff that I knew that Connor and Danielle could relate to. And uh, then I found out as, as time went on, and, and it was Connor. We found out he liked country western music. <laughs> Flipping channels, right. when it came on, I went, okay. So, uh, so I started playing more country western stuff. And then a lot of the country western stuff reminded me of what I uh, experienced back in the 60s and 70s okay. uh, when I was in college. So a lot of the protest songs and things like that, things by the Beatles and Donovan and you folk know, all those guys. Or, um, yeah, it was storytelling kind of music. Yeah, they were. It was folk music slash semi rock. It was when <laughs> okay. folk music was making the turn. Okay. And the mamas and the papas were out, and you know the sounds had changed, and uh, they all moved to the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's the influence. Uh, when I was in high school, we had Jackson Brown and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band were in our senior class. And actually, Jackson nice. broke from them because he wanted to do his own thing and they wanted to do different stuff. And they each became successful in their own right, Jackson Brown more so than the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Um, but, you know, those were influences as well. And Jackson would sit out in the quad and he'd play his guitar and, and hang out and Quite often, he spent time with my brother in detention. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jackson may not want everyone to know that. <laughs> because, well, because at that time, I went back in 1967, if, if your hair touched your collar, you had to have a haircut. 
I mean, it was almost like a dress code was pretty strict in those days. So, and my brother would end up in there quite often. And Jackson's hair was exactly the length it is today. But back in 1967, that was unacceptable. Yeah, it was that was considered long hair because it touched your ears and your collar. Oh my. <laughs> well, so it's safe to say that your song choices are singer-songwriter, folk songs with a little touch of rock. That's what you tend to lean towards, pretty, right? Pretty much. And some of the Western stuff is just that. Some of the new Western yeah. stuff reminds me very much of, of the songs we heard in the 60s. And I still pull up and play a lot of 60s songs that you know maybe you'll let me do later on. But um, my son, Matt, who's 34, goes... Dad, where where did you dig that up? <laughs> I, go, I go, dude, those are songs that we listened to <laughs> when I was a young guy. Like Bringing you. them back. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So do you find that sometimes you hear a song like in a store or does something just pop in your head that you remember a certain song that you want to try? You know, both. Uh, actually, it's kind of a three-phase thing because um, I go to open mic nights when they have them. They stop them right now because of the virus. But somebody would play somebody to open mic and go, wow, geez, I need to learn that song. Um, okay. Or you'd be right along in your car or elevator music. You know, they take stuff and distort it. You know, they take a Beatles song and play it, you know, orchestrally. And you go, you know, right. that's actually a pretty nice song. And I've taken several Beatles songs and uh, currently I'm playing with a couple of Donovan songs where I just modify them to sound the way I would like them to sound. And... I mean, I'm not the original artist on it, that's for darn sure, but it's just, I play it in a, well, I think you call it, I genize them. <laughs> I call it Ising, so I would Marlene Eyes, and he would Gene Eyes, or you would put your name in front of I-Z-E, but basically adding your own personality and flavor to whatever song you're playing. Yeah, and, it, and you connect. I mean, you actually start to see, I know when I've got a song down correctly when I start to watch a movie in my head. When I see scenes and I see people running or kids playing or something happening, and it's, and it's a movie that's playing in my head while I'm singing and playing, that's when I know I've reached that level where I've started to own that song. Oh, that's such a great way to describe it, that you're seeing it as a movie. Well, in music, you know, with songs, we're generally telling a story. And if you think of it in those terms, and obviously you're thinking of it visually in your head in those terms, that's kind of a unique way to think about it. I like that. Yeah, it, it helps me emotionally connect with it. Yeah. And even my 34-year-old son has come into the room after I've been playing. He goes, geez, Dad, <laughs> because I like your version better than the original artist's version. And no offense to any original artists that might be listening. No, just happened to be my version. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what's great about that, though, is you've really embraced the confidence of how you play your guitar and all those years of practicing and, you know, starting out not playing so great, but just keeping at it and getting better and getting better. It enhanced your skills and, and ultimately your ability to take a song and interpret it. Yeah, and just and put my own emotional spin to it. I think that's what Matt said the most, my son Matt. He said, Dad, you put your own emotional spin into that song that pulls much more out of it than just hearing it on the radio. He said, I, when you play it, I really feel it. He said, but when I hear it on the radio, it's, it's just a song. So that was that was nice for him to say that. Wow, yeah, that's really great coming from your adult child who's totally respecting and vibing your song. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty independent thinker, that's for sure. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you if you could impart to the listeners 
maybe your one tip or one piece of advice that you can give them. It can be for someone who's just starting out, someone who's played for a while, someone who's never played before, but just maybe someone who wants to start playing and they're a little bit older. So maybe the one tip you can give someone out there that's listening that would help them with their guitar playing. Yeah, this is a very good point you bring up. It's almost like running. If you've ever been a runner and you get a second breath or a second wind, uh, guitar playing is the same. Uh, I call it the 45-minute window. I'll be playing, and at about 45 minutes, all of a sudden, everything just changes. My fingers stop hurting. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> And I tell you, I don't care how long you've been playing, it's still going to hurt at first. And But everything seems to gel. It seems to fall into place. And all of a sudden, you've reached another plane. So my suggestion, you've got to play for at least 45 minutes to reach that second wind, so to speak. And when you hit that, it's like, holy moly, um, <laughs> you may go on and play for another hour. Because once you hit that, it's like, oh, this is great. And then you'll start picking songs that you didn't plan on playing and it's because things are starting to gel you'll try stuff that you hadn't tried and you start modifying stuff and i think that the biggest modification i do in songs is after i've been playing a whole host of things for about 45 minutes to an hour and all of a sudden i go you know what and you kind of hit that level and then i'll go back and play some songs i played earlier during my session and i'll just change them up and I go, hey, Kathy, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So 45 so minutes. 45 minutes, everyone. Did you hear that? That's Jean's tip, and that's an excellent tip, kind of pushing yourself past the, ooh, I'm making bloopers too. Well, I'm warmed up now, and I'm revved and ready to go. I like the analogy of running. It's your second wind. and It, uh, it is. Yeah, it's kind of like getting a second wind. It's a new kind of euphoria where things start to click. You know, your brain is working with your fingers, working with everything else, and you just reach a whole new level. It's bizarre, but it, it 45 minutes. I love that you noticed that and are able to share that experience. You know, sometimes we play and like we play for an hour and, you know, to recognize that you have that sort of where you get over that bit of a hump in your plane right there. That's something so great for everyone to yeah, learn I'm trying about. To I'm trying to reduce it down to 30 minutes. <laughs> so I can hit the I can hit the uh, euphoria earlier. <laughs> yeah. Keep on playing for the same length of time. Just hit the euphoric uh, thing, you know, quicker than 45 minutes. <laughs> I love it. I love that aha euphoria feeling too. So that's a great piece of advice. So everybody, I want you to pick up your guitar and play for the next 45 minutes. But before you do that, I have one more treat for you. And that is Gene is going to share some of his beautiful guitar playing. Gene, thank you for chatting with me today and take it away.
this episode's tip has helped you to continue expanding your guitar skills and knowledge. If you'd like to learn more, check out the many learning resources available at my website, marlenesmusic.com. Thank you for joining today's podcast. And as I like to say, play on.